This is Foster McCurley. Welcome to Whose We Are. These podcasts are a series of discussions about spirituality, stewardship, and social justice. We will talk here about what we do with our lives once we appropriate to ourselves the wondrous gifts God has given us and acknowledge that we truly belong to God. Check out whoseweare.com for a wide range of discussions on these issues and also wrestlingwiththeword.com for comments on the biblical passages assigned in the Revised Common Lectionary for Sunday morning worship. This is episode 3. Our topic for today is spirituality, and it's my delight to have as my guest Melanie Taormina. Melanie lives, works, and worships in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. She is training to be a certified spiritual director in the contemplative tradition. While living in Pittsburgh until a few years ago, she served as an authorized lay worship leader in the Southwestern Pennsylvania Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Melanie is a member of St. Luke Lutheran Church in Williamsport, the congregation in which she was baptized and raised. She is also a published poet and holds degrees in writing from Lycoming College and the University of Pittsburgh. Melanie works now for Lycoming College as Director of Alumni Relations. She lives with Dan, her husband of 13 years, and their beloved cat. Melanie, over the years you and I have had many profound conversations about your passion for deepening your sense of spirituality. I I found those questions and those discussions to be so exciting, so intriguing, and and actually for me so meaningful. And I'm very pleased that you're willing to share some of your thoughts about where you've been in this quest and where you are now and, and where you're going. So thank you very, very much for being willing to be part of this podcast. So let me start, Melanie, by by asking, how did spirituality come to such an important place in your life of faith? I think it started for me when I was living in Pittsburgh as a young adult, and the church I was a member of there began to offer Tizay prayer services. It was not something I had heard of before that time, but I came to know that Tizay prayer originated in the community of Tizay, France, where there is an ecumenical community of just over 100 brothers. And since the World War II era, they have developed a meditative style of prayer that involves silence, repetitive singing, brief readings from scripture in multiple languages. And within the past 10 or 15 years, these services have grown in popularity in the United States. And when my church in Pittsburgh began offering them on Wednesday evenings during the week, I attended, out of curiosity in the beginning, I suppose, it was the meditative quality of the repetitive singing and probably even more so the opportunity for a period of silence within the worship and prayer that started to speak to me. I come out of the Lutheran tradition, and it's a tradition in which I'm very deeply rooted in which I love but it's not a tradition in which we spend a lot of time in our Sunday morning worship in silence. So this for me was a new experience and one that at the beginning I probably was a little bit uncomfortable with. It was a fairly busy period in my life, 
sitting still was not something I did easily. No, that is hard for us Lutherans to do, isn't it? <laughs> it's true. We like to get into our four-part harmony and to uh, and to participate fully in a service. But when you in the Tese uh, services, you said there were a hundred uh, brothers involved, and how how do they respond to the fact that women show up for their their various uh, workshops and seminars and, and spiritual retreats. They're very welcoming. In fact, there's a community of sisters just down the road um, from Tizay, and those sisters help out in the community with choir rehearsals for guests of the community and with relating to the women in, in certain ways. Hospitality is a great trait of the Tizay community, and so I was there for a week each in two consecutive years. And despite the fact that it's a, a community of brothers, never felt out of place or unwelcome by any stretch. What happened then in, in the following years? How, how did this experience contribute to your growth in spirituality? I think that today prayer opened in me a new, a new place of the spirit, so to speak. Um, I began to understand better through the practices of the Tizay community what it meant to be hospitable in the Christian tradition, uh, what it meant to offer a place for the seeker, what it meant to live in questions instead of always having answers, and what it meant to pray and be with God in a contemplative way. So those are things probably I could not have put words to at the time, but I think they created a space in me that then was able to be filled with new things. I found myself falling into friendships with people who had similar views or could help nurture this new interest and space within me. I began to see spirituality as a source not only of inner peace and relationship with God, but also a place of origin of external peace and our relationships with ourselves and one another. And I think prior to that, I probably did not look at spirituality as much more than sort of the, the vertical relationship, the, the me to God relationship. But I began to grow in my understanding of how that then also affected the, the horizontal relationships, those between us and our fellow human beings. Your words about uh, living with questions rather than having all the answers is very intriguing because Frankly, I, I confess to you that I, I find people who are willing to live with questions to be much more exciting to be around than the ones who have the answers to everything. It, it almost eliminates spirituality in, for the sake of dogma. So that's a, that's a very interesting perspective. I, I also like the, the fact that you, you're talking about the horizontal because I think so often when people talk about spirituality, they don't focus on the community aspect of it. It's more, as you say, this spiritual connection between God and me. It, it almost sounds sometimes like uh, like Bill Cosby doing the Noah story. You entered this, this experience of Tizai, and, and then, as I recall, over the past couple of years, you actually decided to enter a program specifically for training in spiritual direction. Would you say a little bit about that? At one point over the past several years, I attended a, a discernment retreat with the Lutheran Deaconess community, and it was there that I first heard about spiritual direction. 
I had not heard that term before, did not know such a practice existed. And I remember feeling when I first heard about it, oh, my goodness, you mean there is a, a place and a way that people can sit down one-on-one -on -one and talk about their spiritual lives. This is something that's been conceptualized and that people are practicing in a formalized way. I became very excited about it, and I, I thought I understood that to be a call. I did not see any opportunities in my current living situation at that time to pursue it, but I kept my eyes and my ears open. Several years later, I happened to overhear a conversation with a retiring coworker, and she was explaining to someone else that in her retirement, she'd be doing some spiritual direction. So I asked her where she had gotten her training, and as it turns out, there was a, a program through Oasis Ministries for spiritual development based in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania, that offered a program over the course of two years and that would fit in with my full-time work schedule. So I've just completed my first year of that training program. Uh, now, Melanie, the, uh, the experiences you found to be so meaningful at Tizay, were, were they relatively consistent with what you found to be offered in the, in the training program with Oasis? Or was it a different approach entirely? No, it's interesting that you ask that because I was reminded so very much of today when I was at our closing retreat for this first year of the Spiritual Direction Training Program a couple of weeks ago. We use a few of the today songs in our worship at the training. We also explore different ways of praying. We take time to be outside and as we discussed in this last session, understand nature as an icon, as something that can point us toward a deeper relationship with God. We have time for silent prayer, personal retreat time. We have small group work and we have large group discussion and conversation. And all of those elements were present as well in the Tizé community in France. And I find the rhythm of those days, the interactions with others and the solitude the balance that that provides, so nourishing. And so, yeah, I think both experiences really mirror one another. That's interesting. Uh, what about these different ways to pray? Would, would you say a little bit more about that? We talked in the beginning about centering prayer, which is a practice I had begun prior to my enrollment in the training. Very basically, it involves sitting quietly for 20 minutes and while the goal is probably to have a mind clear of thoughts, we don't flagellate ourselves when that doesn't happen because it's very difficult to, to bring the mind into that state. But there's a sacred word that one chooses. And when you notice that your mind is straying, you simply very gently, um, like a feather, they say, remind yourself with this word to come back to the present moment. And in so doing that, uh, Gerald May, who's one of the favorite contemporary spiritual writers I've read in the past year, he says each one of those reminders with the sacred word is like a mini homecoming to God. That's an interesting expression. Well, thank you uh, for, for helping with that, because I think um, many times people have definite expressions of prayer, and, and it's hard sometimes to feel comfortable in experimenting with a different approach but yours seems to be very very akin to naturalness and and about um, a, a way to communicate both with God and with yourself and and I suppose in the process of all that with other people. Yeah it's true I, I come out of 
of Centering Prayer sessions, which again, remind me very much of the time of silence I experienced during today worship. Feeling refreshed, the world looks a little bit different somehow, although I don't know if I can put to words how that happens, but I think definitely I come into relationships with other people with more of a spirit of gentleness and compassion and generosity. Well, that's certainly consistent with what it means to be a a child of God and to share that experience with other children of God in the world. Uh, that's a, a, a significant contribution that it already made in your life. But, but would you tell me a little bit more about how this program has, uh, from your perspective, affected the spiritual life that you are so passionate about in your quest? Well, I think in addition to helping me continue in my centering prayer practice, it's, it's helped me to understand all the ways that we can be in communion with God. Some other prayer practices we've looked at are praying with beads, something very much outside my tradition. But we talked about all kinds of ways one can do that that are authentic to oneself. We talked about Benedictine and Ignatian Lexio Divina methods, which is praying with scripture. One is a little bit more story-based and imaginative than the other. All of these ways of practicing prayer and the readings that we've done in traditional and contemporary spiritual writers have opened new windows to me to God's desire and ability to meet us where we are and to welcome and invite us into relationship with Him through prayer. And by prayer, I mean so much more than what might be our our typical concept of it. And I guess that's another thing this class has done for me, just opened my conceptualization of what prayer can be. And I really see it now as any time we are in the present moment with an awareness of the presence of God. Uh, Melody, can you tell me a little bit more about how you use the Bible according to these two different approaches in prayer? Because I think very often some of our terminology in prayer comes from the Bible, but I'm not sure that you mean simply that. That's right. Uh, When we used the Benedictine Lectio Divina method, we would read a very short passage of scripture, and then we would uh, simply sit with it for a bit, contemplate the words, not so much in an analytical way, but in a meditative way, to see what word or phrase might rise up for us as, as stirring us. And at that point, we might not even know why it was presenting itself to us. But through the additional steps, and in traditional Benedictine Lexio Divina Prayer, there are four, you would then continue to meditate upon these words, see where God might be stirring in you or inviting you through them and through this brief passage of Scripture. And then you would close simply in a quiet meditative prayer of thanks and offering back to God what He had granted you in that meditation. And then the Ignatian method is, as I said, a little more imaginative. You would read a passage of scripture and you can visualize the story in your mind and imagine yourself as one of the characters. And then through meditation, you play out what you would do as a character in that story and how, for example, Jesus touches you when you place yourself in the biblical time and place that you're reading about. Well, that's interesting. So, you aren't really eliminating a so-called historical critical method of looking at the Bible, but you're asking, on the basis of everything you understand, the text, how 
how it speaks to you at the present time. Is that correct? You do. And again, it may be different as you sit with the meditation than what you would have anticipated. And that's where the very exciting and powerful work of the Holy Spirit comes in. Well, it's interesting to me that you actually role play one of the people or one of the experiences in the text because you do get a different perspective when you do that kind of personal involvement in, in the passage of Scripture. So how, how has all this affected your spiritual life, Melanie? You, you do have a job, you, you have a wonderful husband, and uh, you have many different interests. How, how does the spirituality affect all of that? I think it has given me a broader perspective, for one. It's helped me not to take all of the things that I'm inclined to take so seriously as much to heart. It's helped me to approach my work and my daily life with a freer attitude. It's almost like I can breathe more more deeply. Well, it sounds as though it enables you to have a, a more calming effect on the ways in which you live out your lives. Your comment about not taking everything so seriously is an interesting one to hear because uh, I think when some people think of spirituality it means to them that you take everything deadly seriously and and you're indicating there's a comfort I think about your involvement in spirituality that enables you to look at the rest of life more calmly. Am I understanding that rightly? Yeah, I would say that's true. And in fact, as you talked, it reminded me that one of our directives, although that's a little bit of a strong word, for for our participation in the first year of the program was not only to be prayerful throughout our days, but to be playful. So there's been a wonderful sense of humor about the program that I've enjoyed. I've also found that my attention to an understanding of the value of the present moment has really deepened as a result of this program to the point that sometimes I can think this moment that I'm living in right now is all that I have. The past has ended. The future is not yet here. So I, I feel that God invites us to be as alive in his presence in the present moment as we can be. And in so doing, I feel that we're participating in what is God's eternal now. He is beyond time. And when we are able to be as alive to him in the now as possible, I feel that is, that is a way we draw so much closer to him and a way that we deepen the spiritual places within us, the places where his spirit dwells. Oh, that's a powerful statement. I wish I could do that more often, to be honest, where uh, I could appreciate the moment so much and not worry about the future. I think many people would find comfort if they were able to accomplish what, what you seem to be able to do. Yes, and it can be fleeting. I mean, it's always a gift of grace. But I think some of these spiritual practices that we've been studying and truly practicing throughout this past year in my program have helped make those moments a little more within reach and perhaps a little more often. So there is a real discipline involved and it's it's a discipline it seems to me of not only what you're doing but also what you're not doing. I think that's true yes I mean sometimes you have to make some difficult decisions about where the priorities lie in the time of your day um, do you want to spend 30 minutes in front of a television program or do you want to spend that time uh, sitting in silent prayer? And that can be a difficult decision on a daily basis. 
But there's also a sense in which it's a discipline of joy as opposed to a discipline of uh, strictness. And when time is spent with God and you experience the warmth of his presence, there's often a desire to return to that place because it's like spending time with a friend. You know, that whole insight about joy is uh, intriguing because just today I was writing something about Bible study. And uh, what, what I was writing was a suggestion to people to have fun. Because if you take yourself too seriously when you're trying to study the Bible, you actually get in the way of what the Word of God is saying through that biblical passage. So there's a, a kind of... Uh, an objectivity, if you will, uh, about letting go, about n not taking yourself particularly so seriously that God can't have any room to speak. Melanie, what, what are your hopes for the time after th this spiritual direction training program is accomplished? What, what, what do you like to do with it or with yourself? I went in truly with the hope of of becoming a certified spiritual director so that I could offer that service to others and that is still my very deep hope. What I've also discovered along the way though is how there is infinite room for one's own spiritual deepening and so now too my hope is after this program is over that I can continue in ways of deepening that spirituality and some of that will continue to happen on my own as with the centering prayer in other ways, I will probably need a community. And so I'm already praying about seeking that community, where I will find it, whether here close to home, whether with some of the participants in this program that I've, I've come to know over the past year. And I can't know that yet, but I, I trust that God will show me that way when the time comes, as he has so faithfully with, with other spiritual friendships in my life and truly even with leading me to this program right now. Well, it's interesting that God did not make us to be rugged individualists, but all parts of community. And so I, I pray with you and for you that you'll find a community of persons with whom you can share this at a level that you'll feel comfortable and that will contribute to their well-being as well as to your own. Thank you. Well, Melanie, thank you very, very much. I, uh, I hope we'll have a chance to talk again, particularly as you continue on and maybe even finish your program. Uh, but in the meantime, I, I, I'm very excited about what you're doing, and I'm glad that you're willing to share these experiences and thoughts and hopes with other people. I'm glad to talk about it, and I hope we will have the chance to talk again. Before signing off, I want to thank Lisa Bell for providing the music with her song, It's All About Love. I also want to give special thanks to my daughter, Dana Gillen, who serves as my producer for these podcasts. Until next time, then, go in peace. Serve the Lord. <laughs>